0: All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this first day of this year. And uh, while it is no different than all the other days, it does have some significance to us. And, and uh, we, we believe that it causes us to look to you. And so we do that this morning. We look to you for our help. We look to you for revelation. We look to you for words of wisdom and words of life. As Peter said, we don't have anywhere else to look. So this morning, as we open up your Word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate this Word and 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 embed it into the recesses of our hearts, Lord God, and that we would you would open our eyes that we could see what we might not have seen before. Not just so we could say that we saw something, but that it would change our lives. Uh, may you direct the next few minutes of our time together. May you fill my mouth with words that come from the throne of God by the work of your spirit. And may each one of us this morning have hearing ears to your to the voice of your Holy Spirit. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as has been said several times First, The first part of the year, the first day of the year is always uh, an interesting time um, that we think about yesteryear, we think about the coming year, and we obviously think about today. I wanted to talk this morning about living in the promised land, and that may or may not be what you think it is. In a moment we're going to read a passage, we're going to go to Deuteronomy 8 if you want to go ahead and get there. Where we see the children of Israel were on the portals of entering that promised land. They were, they were moving in that direction, so to speak. And Moses, as the voice of God, was speaking to the children of Israel, um, preparing them for that next move, that next trek. Of course, we know Moses. Didn't even get to go because he disobeyed God and Joshua led them. This is, uh, this was a time for them and it's a time for us as we stand on the portals. Actually, we've got our big toe in 2023. You know, growing up on the Gulf Coast, we talked a lot about hang ten. How many of you know what hang ten is? Okay. In the world of surfing, if you get up on the front of the surfboard, then you're hanging your ten toes over the edge. I never did that, but other people did. And that's sort of what we're doing today. We've just got up on the front of the surfboard and we've got our toes over into 2023. And it causes us to think about where we have been. Some of you say, I don't want to think about that. (laughs) I don't want to think about where I've been. Well, we have to. You don't have to live there again, but you have to think about it. It's also a time that we want to contemplate as much as we can see and as much as we can know what's ahead. What's ahead for us? And for most of us, we don't have a clue. And for a lot of us, if we did know, we would be running for the hills. The key, and I think the the key to today's message when I'm done, hopefully, is that whatever is behind us and whatever is in front of us, the key is that we would be faithful in the now. We cannot, we can cannot relive the past. We cannot move into the future. We can plan for the future, but we can't live in the future. We can only be faithful now. Let's say that together. We can only be faithful now, and that's the key of everything that we contemplate at this time of year. This this is naturally in the human world, but in God's world, this is naturally for us. It's a time for introspection. It's a time that we assess. It's a time that we take inventory of our own lives. It's a time that we look inward in the sense of what's going on with us, what has gone on with us, and what is going to be going on with us. It's a time for introspection, which leads us to retrospection, and that is assessing what we have done, what we have not done, Where we have been, where we have not been, what we have heard, and what we didn't hear. Retrospection is good. And as I'll get to it in a little while, living in the past is not good, but retrospection is good. And introspection and retrospection ultimately gains us proper perspective. And that's what we want this morning. We want Based on the past and based on the present and based on the future, we want proper perspective. we want to see things god's way we want to see things with god's eyes and by the way, let me let's tell you you can you can't see everything God sees it would blow your mind up, but you can see with the eyes of God because he will allow you by the spirit of God if you'll ask him to so let you see it deuteronomy eight in uh we're gonna. I don't always do this, but I'm gonna read all 20 verses. And so, if you can't stand that long, you're not gonna offend me. But I would ask you, if you can, to stand. And I'm gonna read these. And I'm gonna come back. By the way, uh, hang on to your Bibles and hang on to your devices, because we're gonna come back to these verses and, and read through them again. And just in case we didn't get it, but anyway. Uh, verse one: the whole commandment. And this is again Moses speaking to them that I command you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and he let you hunger. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that a man does not live by bread alone. Does this sound familiar? But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, The Lord your God disciplines you, so you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten And are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. Who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. "...who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth." that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. You can be seated probably could just stop right there. Some of you are saying, I sure wish you would. (laughs) Again, this is just a brief excerpt out of Moses uh, speaking to the children of Israel about moving into the promised land. He says to them, I'm telling you these things so that you can live and multiply. Do we understand, and James alluded to this, do we understand that our role in the earth is to live and multiply? And you say multiply, addition's good, multiplication is better. And if you, if you, uh, in Jesus' commandment, if you make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, that's multiplication. And so our role Obviously, we want to have a good time, we want to have joy, we want to have a full life. But at the end of the day, and let me just tell you something, as we move into 2023, we're going to get more and more and more into, at the end of the day, what's important. Did you hear that? And the further we get into the future, the less people are going to be able to play games with God. That's over. People who play church, people who throw a bone to God, people who have made Jesus a very important part of their life, that's over. We we got we we're either all or nothing. We're all either all in or you know Jesus said if you're lukewarm, that just makes me sick. Live And multiply. And then he says this word, and this is a key word, remember. Let's say that together. Remember. We need to remember. We need to remember where we've come from. I want to tell you that nothing is wasted on or by God. Nothing is wasted in our lives. All the experiences we go through, all the things we deal with, nothing is wasted. And I'm thinking of, uh, First uh, Corinthians ten twenty five, not five. Anyway, it says now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. On whom the end of the ages has come. These scriptures that we hold in our hand, whether they be in a device or a book, these scriptures were written down for our instruction, so that we could l- learn how to live and multiply. And learn from what they went through as the children of Israel. The question I want to ask us today is, have you had any tough moments in 2022? <laughs> Maybe I should ask, have you not had any tough moments in 2022? And some, under the sound of my voice, be it in this room or uh, over the internet, some have had some, some seriously tough moments more than others. God knows that. God knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been through. He's still God. He's still in charge. But he begins to tell these, the children of Israel, Moses says, this is, God wants you to know that he led you through. Do you understand that it was God who led the children of Israel into the wilderness? Do you understand the scripture teaches us that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. Do you think we're any better than Jesus? Of course not. So we can expect that God would give us our own wilderness. Let me just say this here. We read an account of the children of Israel going into the Into wilderness. By the way, God sent them into the wilderness, but He didn't send them in for 40 years. He sent them in for 11 days. They, they had a 40 year journey because of their own choices. They had one wilderness and they had one promised land, but I want to tell you that in the Christian walk, you have more than one of both in this sense. You will go through wilderness experiences your whole Christian life, not just once. You will go through promised land experiences your whole Christian life, not just one. And it's how we respond, not to the promised land, but it's how we respond to the wilderness that dictates what happens in the promised land. So in looking at this lesson, don't think it's a one-time experience. It's a lifelong. And just like the children of Israel, our length of stay in our personal wilderness is dictated by our own choices. Right choices shorten the distance. Wrong choices can last up to 40 years. He did this, Scripture says, that he might humble you. Now the word there is not humble, is humble in the sense of afflict. He did this that he might afflict you. I've told you, and I've heard Derek Prince say this. God cannot really humble you in the sense of making you humble. But he can humble you in the sense of afflicting you and making you want to do what Peter says in his letter, humble yourselves. Humility is a posture of life before God. As we lay our lives down and we we place ourselves prostrate at his feet, but we get there by a choice. We choose to humble ourselves before God. But he will He will provide you plenty of opportunity. I think Derek said it this way. God, God won't humble you, but he will humiliate you. Which will cause you to want to humble yourself before God. And he does this to test you. To reveal what was in your heart. Now, I will just tell you, God was not surprised about what's in your heart. It's not so that God can find something out. It's so that you can find something out. You've heard me say dozens of times when God said, where are you to Adam and Eve? He wasn't wondering where they were. He knew exactly where they were. He wanted them to know where they were and where they were was out of fellowship with God. He, he said, I've I, I used the wilderness to test you. And here's his gauge. Brace yourselves. Here's His gauge as to whether or not, or what is, what is pure in our heart. His, it is whether or not you will keep His commandments. That's the gauge God uses. Are you obedient to God or are you not obedient to God? That's the question. He lets, watch this one. He said, I let you hunger. That just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's right. But he he said, I'll let you hunger. And then he says, why? So that he could, he said, so he could feed you with manna, which is a miraculous provision. Uh, It's raining food. In in manna, the word manna in Hebrew, you know what it means? What is this? That's exactly what, what is this? Because it's a miraculous provision that they have never seen. We read twice in this passage, your fathers did not know, which meant it had never happened before. He said, I'll let you go hungry so I could show you that I can provide. When there are, you know. And of course, at one point they got to grumbling and complaining that they all they had was this manna. And and by the way, don't complain about the manna that God gives you. And God said, Well, okay, if you want, I'll send you some quail. I'll send you this is what the Bible says. This is what God said. He said, I'm gonna send you so many quail that you're going to have quail coming out your nostrils. (laughs) And he literally sent three feet of quail, dead quail in the camp, three feet. Don't complain about the manna that God gives you. Quail's good, but you don't want to get it that way. And one of the lessons that's being learned here is the one that I made a crack about that Jesus quoted, Matthew 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word. Everybody say every word. word. that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The whole lesson he wanted the children of Israel to learn and the whole lesson he wants you to learn is that you don't live by the, the physical sustenance that we have alone, but whatever comes out the mouth of God and however it comes out that it is the mouth of God, it is the word of God, that's what we live by. And then he says to them, I brought you to this place and now I'm going to bring you into a good land, a good land. Verse 10. Oh, this verse 10. He said, and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. For the good land that he has given you. He said, your God is bringing you, of course, I'm not going to go through the whole description again, but a good land, land of brooks of water, fountains, springs, wheat, barley, pomegranate, olive trees, honey. He, he he describes this bountiful provision. Now, while you can look at me and already determine that I like to eat, we're not talking about, nec- for you and me, we're not talking about necessarily physical food here. We're talking about provision, which is physical food is part of that. But we're talking about bountiful for provision in our lives of grace and mercy and peace and strength, the things we need to live, live every day. And he says, I'm bringing you into that good land. And he's bringing you into that good land after he has tested you and humbled you and after he has shown you that he has the miraculous provision for you. David said it this way, I was young, and now I am old. Yet, I have never, everybody say never. I have never seen the righteous one forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. I just want to tell you that if you live faithfully to God, if you obey God and submit to him, I'm not going to say you're always going to have a bank account full or you're going to have but you you you're not going to be out begging for bread. A good land. A good land is where we see the hand of God as our provision and not our employer, and not our check we get in the mail or in the bank. We don't get checks anymore, do we? We just go open up our bank account and la la it appears. It's magic. But the provision is really not that. It's the hand of God. And God said, I I can eliminate your provision if you want me to and show you some manna. So you realize who's really providing for you. Then he says to them in verse 11, take care. He says, take care lest you forget. Be careful. Beware. You know, one of the places, the most dangerous places to be is a place of bountiful bountiful provision because that's when we forget. We got everything we want. We got everything we need. We got plenty of this and plenty of that. And we began to forget where it came from. We began to forget whose hand it came from. And as these... This nation of Israel was going to cross that river and go into the promised land. God wanted them to remember who provided for them. Take care, beware, lest you forget. Verse 11, the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes. He said, lest when you have eaten, when you are full, When you've built good houses, when you have all of these great things, lest you have all of these great things at your disposal, you, you forget. And I want to tell you, that's so easy to do. Sometimes God needs to knock our feet out from under us to get our attention. I would pray he wouldn't have to. But let me just tell you, if God knocks your feet out from under you to get your attention, that's because he loves you. He cares for you. And your heart would be lifted up and you forget. You forget who led you through the great terrifying wilderness, the serpents, the scorpions, the thirsty. You forget who had water coming out of the rock. And as we look back to 2022, I don't care what kind of experience you had, don't forget. And don't forget where you provision, And don't forget those times when God provided that you didn't know he was going to. You didn't think he was going to. Don't forget. What happened to you in 2022? We want to think about all the negative. And, uh, you know, I guess one week from now, I would have been in the hospital, people thinking I was going to die. You you can focus on that, or you can focus on, I didn't. Y'all might have noticed. Thank God for that. I mean, I don't know that I needed two weeks laying in a hospital bed, but I had them. But I walked, well, I say I walked out of there. I rolled out of there in a wheelchair, but I walked in my son's truck. You think about those things that God provided for you in 2022. Don't allow what you got in your hand to make you forget. Because here's what happens if you don't. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. My power, the might of my hand. You say, well, I went to work and I was a diligent employee and I, I produced for my company. Well, first of all, how'd you have life to go to work? How'd you have a job? How'd you find a job? How'd you keep your job? How did you get to be paid as much as you're being paid? I mean, you can ask all these questions, and the answer is the hand that is providing. Well, my, I get that, I get that uh, deposit into my account each week. Well, where do you think that comes from? Do you think if God was not on the throne, that you that thing would show up in your account? He is the, he is the author of commerce. And then he goes on to say, you shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get the wealth. Now, lest you think this is a prosperity message this morning, you know me better than that. I abide by the proverb that says, Lord, don't let me have too little. So I'll be tempted to go steal something. And Lord don't let me have too much. Lest I forget who my provider is. The power to get wealth. The word wealth. In that passage in Hebrew. Means strength. Influence. Valor. It does include. It does include financial gain. But it's all that packaged into one. It's not just. That we have a bunch of money. I, I, by the way, God was not opposed to them having lots of possessions. Did you see that? God did not criticize them because they had lots of good stuff. He criticized them because the stuff had them. So don't buy into a poverty message that if you're a real good Christian, you'll be, you'll live in poverty. Not true. Not true. You'll live in God's provision. Strength, influence, valor. God gives us the ability to do that. So as they're standing there looking, proverbially speaking, across the Jordan River, they're, he's causing them to deal with their past before he has them look into the future. I'm going to just give us a few things in dealing with the past. And I can't spend a lot of time here because according to my phone, I only have 16 minutes and 35 seconds left until I turn it off. (laughs) Allow the days of old, and this has already been said today. It's amazing to me that my sermon almost got preached. Allow the days of old to become an instruction tool for the next generation. Allow what's happened in the past to be that which we can use to say to the next generation. Deuteronomy 32 says, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. If we don't pass on what God has done in our lives to the next generation, what's going to happen to it? All you got to do is look at the news and you can answer that question. Another thing is that, by the way, let me say this. No, I'm going to come back to that. I hope. Learn from others' mistakes. Luke seventeen thirty-two, the, the second shortest verse in the Bible. How many of you know what the first shortest verse is? Jesus wept. Second shortest verse is, remember Lot's wife. Three words. Remember Lot's wife. And you can say, when you think about Lot's wife, there go I. Except for the grace and the mercy of God. Lot's wife. Uh, once again, I'm going to plagiarize myself. Kernels of truth from, I don't know when, 2001, I don't know. Lot's wife while being led to deliverance, tried in her heart to keep her old life when she looked back. A part of her still yearned for what she had in Sodom, and she couldn't resist turning and longingly gazing upon where she had come from. At that point, she ceased being a person moving forward towards God's ultimate purpose and became nothing more than a monument a monument to the condition of one who insists on living in the past and is unable to embrace the future God has designed for them. Learn from the mistakes of others. When you see a pillar of salt, you ask yourself, why is that a pillar of salt? Well, because she desired that back there. Okay, so the lesson is don't desire that back there. This is, this is so complicated, I, you know. Learn from, learn from others mistakes. You know, and you see people, uh, making mistakes. You, if you live very long, you see people around you and you say, boy, I, I bet they wish they hadn't have done that. Well, how about you mark it down and don't do the same thing? Remember the lessons that you've learned in 2022. Remember what God has shown you, but remember what you saw. Remember what you heard. Remember what struck you in 2022 that God would do in your life. A similar uh, encouragement is this, deal with your regrets from, from last year. Now, again, you can do this anytime. You can remember what you learned anytime. You can deal with your regrets anytime, but somehow there's something about the first day of the year that causes us to be a little more focused on these things. Deal with your regrets. Now if you don't have any regrets from 2022, then you can take a nap or go on Facebook or something. Because I'm not talking to you. All of us have regrets. Here's what you do. Listen carefully. Deal with the ones that you still have control over. Deal with the regrets that you can have, that you can do something about. Because there are things that you regret that you can, there's something you can do. Deal with those. Now the ones you can't do anything about, dance on the ashes of those regrets. They're gone. They're dead. They're burnt up. And you cannot go back. You gotta let them go. And don't allow the regrets that you're harboring to ruin your life. This would also be in, in, in the area of regrets. This would also be a good time to offer forgiveness to those who have wronged you. Also, you see, that's not all the story, is it? Also, that you would solicit forgiveness from those you have wronged. By the way, I think what the Lord's having me to do is uh, next Sunday, if you don't like hearing a message on forgiveness... Go ahead and stay in bed. And don't watch on TV. Because I think that's what's happening next Sunday. Is that we're going to return, as I have done numerous times over the last 21 years, again, to the topic of forgiveness. So I'm not going to elaborate much today except to say, now's a good time. It's a good time. First of the year, you know, we're trying, we're not making resolutions because we know we're not going to keep them. But maybe we can say, yeah, maybe it's time that Oh, so-and-so, 15 years ago, said something to me, took something from me. Maybe it's time that I let that go and forgive them. And let me just say, if if you've been holding on that for 15 years, you got a lot of poison running around inside of you. And then you know you've wronged someone, you know you've offended someone, oh, go ask them to forgive you. And we'll, again, I'll deal with that more. He's telling them, to not remain in the past. I mean, there's some great songs out there, but sometimes, give me that old-time religion is living in the past. Sometimes, when we sing that the King James Version was good enough for Paul and Silas, we we maybe need to consider what we're singing. Come on people, there was no King James version in Paul and Silas were around. <laughs> Dr. Warren Wearsby said, why were the former days, or do not say, why were the former days better than these? See, we're tempted to do that. We're tempted to remember romantically what happened. You do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rearview mirror. The past is a rudder, R-U-D-D-E-R, to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. I don't want to belabor this too long, but I remember we were, when we were in South Louisiana, we moved there, uh, we were 20 years old, wasn't long after we moved, the gentleman that we thought we were coming to help and to assist, With the ministry he was doing, he handed me the keys. He said, I'm going to Westlake, Louisiana, to pastor a church there. Here are the keys to this one. 20 years old. I am now the pastor of this church. Now, this church, this group would not have fit in there. (laughs) This church was little bitty. It was a shotgun house with all the walls knocked out. If you got a hundred people in there, you probably could do that if everybody breathed in and out at the same time. <laughs> but there came a day that it was time to leave that little old ramshackle of a house. It's not even there today and go do something else and people. Oh, oh, I remember the days at Palm Street. Oh, I remember the great things that went on at Palm Street. Well, there were great things. But there came a day that the great things were somewhere else. I can't go through the whole story, but that's some of the reason I'm standing here today. That and you can't. Anyway, I'm not going to do that. Don't live in the past. Isaiah said, do not call to mind the former things or is that mean I'm done? Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. I like what the new living does Does there. It says this, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to (laughs) do. Don't live. What's coming is better than what has been. We also have a future. For I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. Now don't, let's don't forget that verse is rooted in the children of Israel being in captivity in Babylon. And, and God just got through telling them, now build houses, plant vineyards, marry your sons and daughters off, take part in the life of where you are, cause you're going to be there for 70 years. But don't, don't despair. I have a plan for you. And that plan has hope. So regardless of what you're facing, regardless of what your life looks like, there is a future. And that future has hope. Psalm 22 says, our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. And his righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. How much more important does that make the issue of life? They will hear about everything he has done. And here's what I I started to say this a while ago, but I remembered I wanted to say it here. He promised you a future. He promised you a hope. He promised you a good land. But I want to tell you that for some of us, that future will be realized not by us, but by our offspring. Our children and our children's children. As a matter of fact, at the end of Hebrews 11, it says they, they were looking for a land they never did see, but they, they're finding that land through us. They're finding that place through us. You say, well, I, I don't see it. Well, maybe your children will see it. Maybe your children's children will see it. So what we do in the present, With the past has an impact on the future. Has an impact on what kind of good land we experience. How much of the wilderness we try to bring with us. We need to avoid prognosticating beyond what the scripture reveals. Especially as it pertains to eschatology. Especially as it pertains to Jesus' second coming. I used to ride around when we lived in South Louisiana. I used to ride around and listen to these preachers on a radio station out of New Orleans. And, uh, it's like, it's like it was a competition. <laughs> One would come on and this is when Jesus is coming back. And these are the signs and this is what you're looking for. So I think, yeah. And then the next guy would come on the air. Well, here's what I think. Jesus is coming back in such and such time. And these are the, I mean, they spent their whole, they spent all that money and, and it wasn't cheap. All that money to try to determine when Jesus was coming back. And I'm sitting there riding around in my truck. I'm thinking, I'm hearing Jesus say, "The Son of Man knows not." Times are the seasons, and these guys are spending all their money trying to figure this out. Mm. Don't we don't need to be trying to prognosticate that? But it, I tell you what, if you if, if if we wanted to fill this place up, all we got to do is advertise. We're teaching the end times. We're going to teach on Revelation and specifically hone in on the end times. And we'd have people coming out of the woodwork. And then I'd have to, it wouldn't last but one night, because I'd have to say, I don't know, dismissed. (laughs) (laughs) For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? Hang on to God. God. Don't try to hang on to the future. Don't try to live in the future. Hang on to the God of the now. He'll get you to the future. Rather than look into the future for an escape, let us look for an even greater glory now. Corey Ten Boom said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Finally, stewarding the present. In God's scheme, and we, wasn't that long ago, we went through the book of Haggai, if you remember. In God's scheme, the glory of the present house is always greater than the glory of the former. Where you have been, where you are now is greater in God's scheme than where you've been. Now, if where you are now is not greater than where you've been, does that have something to do with your choices? does that have something to do with the fact that you are not obeying God's commandments? We get mad at God. We get mad at Jesus. And I think, it, I guess it was in the kernels of truth, if, if you've read that yet. And some of you never will. But anyway, that's another. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you will dance around the church and make a lot of noise. And sing really loud. Is that what he said? No. He said. If you love me. You will keep my commandments. Well I love Jesus. Are you doing what he said? Oh well. I'm not really sure I believe all that. Uh, uh, here's what. Uh, the God I serve. Well now you just created a false God. Present sufferings, and you can define present sufferings as enduring pressure from external circumstances. They pale beside the fruit of our enduring through them. What we're facing pales beside what we will have if we will endure through whatever we're facing. Hang on. Just hang on. We yield to the working of God now for the hope, in the hope of a future glory. As it regards the present, we should not romanticize the past nor unnaturally pine away for the future. People do both. Some of you may have. They do both. Well, as I was referred to earlier, man, it was man, that was really great. I've heard people say about this place right here. Oh, I remember when. Thank God for the win. Thank God for the remember win. Thank God for the things that God has done in this room right here. But those days are gone. Thank God. I hope that the days we have, the present glory is greater than the former glory. But rather with acute perception of the present, we clothe ourselves with the character of the Lord Jesus Margaret Storm, Jameson, English author, once expressed the view, we all spend too much time living in the past feeling regret for lost joys or shame for things badly done. Even when our minds turn to the future, she said, we spend an inordinate amount of time longing for it and dreading it. (laughs) The only way to live, she said, is to accept each minute As an unrepeatable miracle. Think about that. Every minute you breathe is an unrepeatable miracle. Work at your work. Play at your play. Shed your tears. Enjoy your laughter. Now. Everybody say now. Is the time of your life. Now. The time of your life. If you would turn to Titus, we're going to, we're going to close right here. Titus 2. I should have told you that earlier, but with those devices in your hands, you can get there pretty quick. I just want the Word of God to encourage us directly from the Scripture. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. By the way, remember self-control is one of the part of the fruit of the Spirit. Upright and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, there is a future, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. What is lawlessness but the opposite of obeying God? And to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. And I would insert the word now. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Good works now. You can't do good works yesterday. I've tried. You can't do it. You cannot do good works tomorrow. You can plan good works tomorrow, but you can't do them until you get there. And when tomorrow gets here, tomorrow has become now, yeah, today. Funny how that works. Took a lot of study for me to figure that out. Hey, it's about obeying God. It's about allowing him to give us the grace and the mercy in the present age to move forward, not hanging on to what was before, Re- learning from the past. My goodness, learn from your past, but don't hang on to it. Don't try to live there. Don't pine away for the future. Don't, don't. man, I'm sure, I mean, I heard, anyway. It used to bother me in gospel music when I was a young fella that nine songs out of ten at that time has really improved a lot. But nine t- songs out of ten were about going to heaven. Well, I mean I plan on going to heaven. You know, as Bob Mumford said, as a Christian, that's the only place you can go. You don't have a choice. You're going to heaven. But it used to bother me that people were constantly saying about heaven, about heaven. I'm going, Well, what about now? David said, I would have fainted if I couldn't have seen the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. I thought, I'm living. You're living. Nothing wrong. I mean, as a matter of fact, the older I get, the more I think about heaven, but I don't think about it in the sense, Lord, hurry up and get me out of here. I want to, you know, Loretta Lynn wrote the song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. (laughs) I mean, are we all kind of there? But until God is finished with you, until your time is up, until your mission is completed, keep working. He used to sing an old song in the Baptist church. Work for the night is coming. But until the night gets here, let's keep working. Let's keep obeying. Let's keep moving by the power and unction of the Spirit of God. Would you agree with that? Well, then stand with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word to us. I thank you for that we're, we're able to gaze into the words of your servant Moses to the children of Israel. Uh, that you anointed and uh, inspired by your spirit and I thank you for the lessons we've learned I thank you for what you've said to us from these scriptures and I thank you for what we for what we see Lord God help us as we as we are good stewards of the present and as we move into this glorious future that you have for us help us to take one step at a time learning from the past embracing the now embracing your grace today. Help us to be kingdom subjects who are those who go out into the field that are white with harvest, sowing the seed of the gospel. We just thank you. We'll worship you. We'll honor you. And as we've said today, we will praise you and praise your name, Lord Jesus. Be with us as we go. I thank you, and I pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said God bless you. Happy New Year.